the cynical person, considering the improbability of this resurrection business and dubious of Christianity's claims, might look at the event we celebrate today, the ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ, and rather than seeing a miracle, see instead an awfully convenient way of getting Jesus off the stage. And indeed, even though I will vigorously defend the church's teaching on the bodily re resurrection of Jesus, at times I've found the ascension, frankly, embarrassing. But as I revisited the story, looking at the two accounts of the event in Luke and in Acts, if you have a Bible nearby, you might grab it and take a look at the very end of Luke or the very beginning of Acts and look at the words the writer uses to describe the event. Despending, depending on the translation you have, Jesus parted or was lifted up or taken or hidden from our sight. So we've got a feast day devoted to parting from the one that we love or having the one we love hidden from us and finding joy in it. Well, this year it looks like Ascension arrived right on time. As a worshiping community, whether in our church building or in our home, there are a lot of funny words and phrases we probably use literally nowhere else. Chief among our strange phrases, or top three at least, is eternally begotten, which appears in the Nicene Creed. At my old job, some of my coworkers and I would amuse ourselves in meetings by challenging each other to insert oddball vocabulary words into dry presentations about the stock market. I successfully managed spittoon and intergalactic. I don't think I would have managed eternally begotten. Not because begotten is such a weird word, though it is, but mainly because it's hard to think of anything at all that the phrase can refer to besides the relationship between God the Father and God the Son. Let's start with begotten. It's a $5 word that means born. And the point of saying that Jesus is born of the Father is that he was not created by the Father, but th that the two are of one being. That's a point apparently we have to underscore later in the creed when we repeat that Jesus was begotten, not made. Now we can get into the, why that's important some other time, but I want to move on to eternally. We've got a much better handle on that word. It basically means forever or a really long time. So when we say eternally begotten, one thing we're saying is that the son was born right there at the very beginning. That's true, but that's not all we're saying because we could try applying eternally to another verb. Let's try. Some guy is eternally yammering on about grammar on Zoom and enough already. 
that means the yammering is going on and on and on and on. And so it is with God the Son being born of God the Father, which tells us something important about God and about time. Across the great sweep of history, during times of war and peace, famine and disaster, plague and pandemic, there is an eternal now, an eternal now wherein God the Son, our Redeemer, is being born. In the beginning, our Redeemer was being born. When he came to earth, our Redeemer was being born. On the cross, our Redeemer was being born. When he raised from the dead, our Redeemer was being born. And when he ascended, our Redeemer was being born. And whether you are stuck at home, or you're an essential worker, or you're out of work, or scared, depressed, angry, alone, even in the hour of our death, there is hope. There is hope. Even as we are being put to the test in this moment, our Redeemer is being born. And today, we celebrate that Jesus, our Redeemer and brother, the pioneer of our salvation, parted from us and was hidden by a cloud. Because we know that he is eternally coming to us so that he may go from us taking the flesh and blood he shares with us and our sins, fears, and sufferings to the very throne of God, saying, here am I and the children whom God has given me. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.